Hi, you're listening to the Chromatic Life Podcast, which is part of the Geek.fm network, along with Geeks with Sneaks, Fresh Out of Tokens, and More Than Bits. You can find all of our shows and host info on Geek.fm. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Dearest listeners, welcome to The Chromatic Life, Episode 7. We have a wonderful, wonderful show for you today. We have an amazing guest. Before we get to our guest, we're going to talk to Matthew Lancaster, hashtag token white guy from the More Than Bits podcast and Geeks in Sneaks. Matthew, how are you feeling tonight? I'm feeling pretty white. That's that's about it right now. Um, you know, we were just told <laughs> that, that <laughs> our favorite star the rising star the the one and only tanya the past will be out of office there in october we have to replace her with a white guy and uh you know we just thought it wasn't diverse enough there wasn't enough white on this show that we had to bring some in so that's what i'm excited about today i'm i'm excited about being the minority one once again yeah it's gonna it's gonna be a good time we're gonna miss you tanya speaking of tanya tanya from Fresh Out of Tokens, creator of I Need Diverse Games, hashtag, and organization. How are you feeling today? How do you feel about what Matthew's saying over here? I'm glad no one can see me. I'm nine, <laughs> I'm nine different shades of red right now. Oh, my God. But you'll you'll be in good hands. There's another token white guy. It's okay, oh. Javier. I'll text you and make and check on you and make sure yeah. you're okay. Please check on me. Yes, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need all the support I can get with these two guys. Now, two wonderful <laughs> guys. Look look forward to that in a couple of weeks. But right now we have someone just just an amazing star in the sky, a special snowflake. We have today <laughs> co-host of Isometric Show. Co-host at the Vector Cast, senior editor at imore.com, two-time Canadian champion, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, swimmer among sharks, and falconry master. We have with us today Georgia Dow. Georgia Dow, hey, wow. say hello to the Chromatic community. Did I steal? Did I steal Steve's tagline? I, <laughs> now am I the special snowflake? Well, on this show you are. On this show you're the special snowflake. Okay. Oh Jesus. Uh, that was that was I, wow. I feel like Javier is eventually going to be that guy on all the uh, you know movie trailers. In right, a world that was great. Where there's in a one, world where there's one special snowflake, Georgia Dow. <laughs> Dow is here to free all the orcs from their suffering. Special snowflake. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I may have to go get a drink, good lord. Oh my god, that was probably that will go down as one of the best intros to the show ever. That probably pretty, that was probably the best intro I've ever given. So, Georgia, tell me all about you. How are you feeling today? What's going on with you tonight? I'm I'm very excited to be here. With Skype having so many issues, we still were able to put this podcast together. I love that. That's it. Where there's a will, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way. That is absolutely true. Wow, there's so many things I want to speak with you about. Um, but let's start at the beginning. I've been listening to Isometric Podcast for a very long time now. I think a couple of years now. And uh, it's it's just been so enlightening in so many ways. But of course, you as a psychotherapist have uh, just been able to give that amazing spin on you know topics in diversity and in nerd culture. Um, 
I've learned, definitely learned so much from you. So I just wanted to extend that on behalf of everyone here, the Chromatic community. Thank you for being such an awesome, amazing voice in nerd culture, in this community, this diverse Twitter community that we have uh, here. So I want to take uh, this moment to tell everybody, if you are not following Georgia Dow on Twitter, I don't know what you are doing. So thank you, Georgia, for being just an amazing special snowflake. Oh, well, thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, Isometric has been like, we didn't know what it was going to be when it came out. It, it kind of had its a life of its own and, and uh, with such amazing people on the show. And it's been so much fun. And the reception that we've had has been absolutely amazing. It still shocks me if anyone listens. It's one of those things when you do a podcast, you're kind of alone with those that you're with. And uh, it's just, it's so wonderful to hear different people's opinions and, you know, for people to like send messages or like, you know, to send a picture of like them standing next to like a panda mech or other really cool things. And it's really <laughs> lovely to hear that we've like touched other people's lives or helped them think of things in a different way um, and discuss things at home. And so I, I really do appreciate that. That's why we do it. So thank you. Yeah, but, of but course. Let's, let's be ahead. honest, though. I would say that Georgia is the anchor of the show, right? She's the <laughs> steadfast. I'm the thing that. You're the steadfast, calm one, right? You know what I mean. You have, you have. I mean, there's crazy antics all around, um, and you're probably the most American, even though you're the Canadian as well. And people don't know this; they wonder why I say this. Wow. But let's let's be honest. You like to kill things, and that's the American way. No one else wants to, but you're there, holding up your. You know, you don't use a gun. I wish you did. It'd be more. It'd be I more have. American. I have used a gun. I just. I just shot a. a... 40 caliber H and C okay. just just Holy in Maine crap. just recently. So but in Maine too. Everybody. <laughs> in Maine. And Maine. everybody, please. Steve. No one is safe from Georgia Dow. <laughs> Steve, so Maddie, Brianna, that's the episode they, they title. To... <laughs> that is the episode <laughs> no. title. Yes. That is it. But yeah, you are you are the most American and the anchor at the same time. <sighs> Sorry. I, I just I had to get that on my system. Other than so I, and, and, and then one other thing before we get into topics, because I just need to rant, because you know this oh, is Lord. this is a year and a half of isometric just being bottled up in me. Um, I know we have so much to say to you, <laughs> Steve Lubitz. It is it is Mario. It is not Mario. I know that people complain about it, but I, being half Italian, even though you might be able to see with my big prey Eastern European ball nose that you can't see on video. Um, <laughs> Guess what, buddy? You would be shot if you came to my house for Christmas. I'm just letting you know right now. You know, we got middle <laughs> names that are Mario. We got, you know, the ones over here that put a, you know, a dead fish in a newspaper in front of your door, in front of your garage door. So, you, you know, I don't know if it makes I, all the I, Godfather, I, but. I'm, I'm going to have to stick up for Steve. I think that I say it oh. wrong as well. So I have oh. to stick up for Steve. I think I say it the same way. <laughs> so Steve takes the hit and I just like, like, I'm really quiet about it. That's, that's a good I thing. I think I do exactly the same thing. Oh, you guys, you're yeah, Canadian. I think you I get a do. Pass. Do I yeah. get a pass? You do. Okay. Yes, you're Canadian. You get a you pass. Do. So I'm the I'm the anchor of isometric. I'm the thing that sinks to the bottom for isometric. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a snowflake and an anchor. This is right. impressive. I'm an anchored snowflake. Yeah. Georgia yeah, Dow is many things. But you know, oh I, I just feel like everybody has their place. You know, I, I, Steve's kind of like the. Uh, you know, he kind of tries to move things along. He's kind of like a curator. He's he wants to curate everything, right? And then, 
get Brianna Wu's keeps like, us on track. Brianna Wu's like the fireworks. Like she's the main yeah. attraction, right? She's like <laughs> yes, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's amazing. Maddie, uh, um, it, she's, I love Maddie. She, yeah, but she's actually like kind of a chameleon. She's different colors. It depends on what mood she's in. You know what I mean? One yeah. day, she, one moment she's fierce, the next one she could be, you know, loving. The other one she could be musical. It's like uh, she's multifaceted. Yeah, she's she is, and she she has some some really great views on on like journalism and games, but also her analysis of games are absolutely fabulous. She's exceptionally eloquent in the way that she speaks about them. Also, her sarcasm game is fierce. <laughs> Like yeah, it on is. point. Yes, she'll yes. draw it out for sentences and sentences. Yes. So what's and in Maddie's very fashionable. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay. She is. I'm, I'm I gonna, got a chance to meet her finally. I'm, I'm going to so. say one more thing. One more thing. Then I'm done talking for a while. Um, <laughs> what is it like now to be on two podcasts with women who are in Playboy? <laughs> Do you know that? <laughs> no. You didn't know that Tanya Tanya was in Playboy, oh, and so Jesus. was Brianna Wu. They are both in Playboy. Wow, that's awesome! Yeah, the part where that's you, awesome. The part I'm now where you impressed. Read, the reading part. I don't the get part, to that. Normally, the part but. that no one knows exists. You mean? Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? I heard. I heard that's what the books. I heard that it's great reading material. We bring it up every I time. I love it. I told. So I did not know that. Now you have to follow that. me back. Now you have to follow me back on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, then you will know when these things that yeah. go down. Yeah, these are the things that happen. Okay, I'm done. Oh, I'm done. I was inappropriate. Probably there. Sorry. Go. That's All right, we, yeah, Javier. It's I, it's your show, Javier. Take so, over. No, no, it's I can say my, my piece. Now. Oh, there oh. you go. Say oh, your yes, piece. Say okay, your okay. piece. No, I'm just I'm really glad that you're here, Georgia, because like we've had well the other podcast I'm on, we've had Steve Lubitz on, and maybe we can coerce Steve into coming on this show now and defend his his pronunciation of <laughs> Mario Mario. However, we want to do that. I'm Chicagoan, <laughs> so I just I have a Midwestern accent. Um, but you know, it's, it's really cool. Mario. Oh my God, Javier. Are you going to do Van. Nintendo? <laughs> um, <laughs> you just made me lose my entire fucking thought. Uh. Uh, anyway, I'm glad you're here and it's nice to finally chat with you. Cause like, you're one of the, like, you're the only person, well, you and Brianna are the only people I've not really interacted with that are on Isometric. So I, it's really awesome to have you on the show. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. You're welcome. So tell us, Georgia, a little bit more about VectorCast, because I want our fans to know the whole shebang, the whole deal. So talk to me about VectorCast. What do you guys do over there? What do you guys talk about? How did that start out for you? So Vector, we deal with um, culture and technology. So it's more the way that technology interacts with um, our lives and it's good, it's bad, and different issues that are dealing with that. Uh, we didn't want it to be about tech and what is better and what kind of RAM it is and what's dealing with. Really, we wanted to deal with uh, people and how does that change our interactive world for the good and for the bad and kind of dealing with all of the different issues that come up with that. And so it's a lot of fun to deal with it, uh, looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah, that's really cool. I know that um, you may have had conversations like this before um, on the podcast, maybe. I think I heard um, when people bully each other online, things like that, there's this disconnect and people don't think they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm just messing around. I'm just having fun or it's online. So it's not yeah. real. But um, it's very difficult and especially for younger people to kind of disassociate themselves from that because you know there's it's not doesn't really make a difference to you when you're hearing abusive language every day 
it really wears on you. And yeah. uh, some people just kind of don't get that. I think that the people that, that when you're doing it, you don't know that there's someone else on the other side. It's the same thing that happens to people when um, they they rise up or they become celebrities. They become like a caricature. And so you really don't think that there's a person that's being affected with that. So the person that releases all, like unleashes hell upon someone else, they have a lowering of anxiety and a lowering of their anger. So they actually feel a little bit better after they've done that. And to the people, you've actually, it's, it's not something that you've given to no one. You've actually created that in someone else. And if they've already had a rough day, that one comment can be that comment that sticks with them. And you don't know the damage that it could cause to someone else. And I've had all kinds of horrible things said to me because, you know, part of my life is online. And uh, whenever they didn't know that online where I get their email. And so, you know, someone mm -hmm. said a really horrible comment to me. And I actually went, you know what, I'm writing back to this one person. <laughs> so I went, you know, well, you know, thank you so much for watching, like looking at this review. But why did you have to say this comment like that? You know, I try to do my best. I'm definitely not perfect. And I, I don't feel that I am. But I do try to give a good review and, you know, something else. And they wrote back to me and they were like, oh, my goodness, I didn't really think of you as a real person. I'm so sorry I lost my job today. I had a really rough time and I was just feeling angry at the world and I apologize for having it hit you. And so I think that people often don't really think about the other person on the other side of the window and that they might be dealing with some, some horrible things in their lives and to kind of cut them some slack. Yeah, absolutely. Um, people, be nice to each other. Come on now. Like, is it, you know, we all have those days where, you know, we get... We're hurt for one reason or another. It's it's uh, good to have an attitude of gratitude, as I've heard in many places. You think of one thing to be grateful for, and then you keep thinking of things to be grateful for. So try to treat each other well, peacefully, especially on this day. It's uh, Peace Day today. So happy Peace Day to all of you, to our, uh, uh, our illustrious guest and all our chromatic community. Um, so Georgia, uh, talk a little bit about iMore.com. You guys write about technology there. We do. So this one, this website is we deal with, um, technology, um, and, you know, the Apple community and how you can use your technology to better your life, the way to use different applications, tips, tricks, how to's. And so if you're interested in Apple news, it's really great. Renee, uh, who runs the site, um, He's always trying to have more diverse. He actually hired me to increase diversity in the site because he cared so mm. much about that. Um, it's the reason why um, he chose me, which was, I think, really thoughtful of him. And it was happening at a time before we were really thinking about that. And uh, he's probably one of the most knowledgeable, kindest and most knowledgeable people about, like, most technology, but especially about Apple. He, he just knows every little in and out. And, you know, whenever I need any information about that or superheroes, I say I'm going to renewal. I just ask him. He really <laughs> does almost always have the answer to things. Nice. Are you an <laughs> Apple fangirl? Would you consider yourself one? I guess I would have to be. Um, I, I I don't think that everything that Apple does is good. So or that just because it's made by Apple, it's going to be fabulous. Um, I think that Apple controls its ecosphere and, and it controls it all the way through the line. So most Apple products are going to be made to last, which is really nice. And they make it so that it's user friendly, which I appreciate because I don't want to spend a lot of time learning my tech. I just don't have a lot of time to do that. 
so it's easy to use, but I completely understand why someone would want something that's more op open or more diverse or they would have more options. Apple is exceptionally controlling, and so I can see why people would not want that as well. And so, you know, I don't think that Apple's the best and that they're the greatest and everything that they make is uh, going to be golden. Uh, but I do like Apple products. I think one of the things with Apple that I like, at least when it comes to the phone, is more than likely it will work. If you just want a phone that works and you're not worried about, you know, uh, rooting it and doing everything else, it, it just magically works. And, and that's one of the reasons uh, my wife and I went to iPhones because she hated the Android basically, you know, system. I loved it, uh, but now I've, I've grown to love uh, the Apple Ecosphere, and we have a rose gold one coming for my wife on uh, the 25th. It'll be delivered to the house, so uh, I know everybody thinks it's pink, but I mean, hey, it's rose gold. It's, it's a really pretty color. I think that, that it's, just a, it's just a really nice, bronzy, mm -hmm. pretty color for the phone, and it shows off that you've gotten the new one, so you get a little extra uh, bonus there. That's right. hey. hey. <laughs> so anyways get Javier yeah. alright thank you um, jumping from topic to topic here but uh, Georgia there's this big stigma in society um, about mental health mm -hmm. and um, you know as I've started the school year um, I'm a high school teacher so um, there's a big push this year for social emotional learning yeah. which I feel like I've been doing all along just because I'm a very passionate person, you know, so uh, uh, that's always just a part of how I taught. And uh, but there's a big push, especially for right now. And I think um, it's good to have educate uh, that kind of education, especially with young people and just anybody. Um, I often find it kind of ridiculous how big a barrier it is. Um, for some people just because of the stigma, but also financially and in terms of insurance to be able to seek help yeah. and to be able to talk to someone. I know there's days where I, I felt like, oh, I, can I talk to someone like right now? You know, yeah. so, um, one thing is I believe that, you know, that should be something that's openly accessible to everybody. But, um, if it's not, I know that you have a new, uh, video series. And as soon as you were talking about that on isometric, I said, ooh, uh, I think that's something that I want to get into. So why don't you, uh, inform the chromatic community? Uh, a little bit about those videos yeah we like we so um what i do during my day job is um, i work for the montreal center for anxiety and depression and we're a specialty clinic that deals with those issues and all of its precursor issues i used to be a generalist before that and i dealt with a little bit of everything um, but there's so many people that because of the stigma would not want to go to see a therapist or because they don't have access to it in certain parts of the world there aren't really access to therapists that they can get and get help and um, anxiety and depression they just suck away happiness and the things that you feel comfortable doing with your life and so for people that might be worried about the stigma of it people that um, might have social anxiety or you know agoraphobia they don't want to leave their home they feel uncomfortable meeting with someone it's a really uncomfortable thing I think that I would have a hard time well now I know therapists that I would feel comfortable with but it's a hard time the first time that you're going to kind of un like unfurl your soul in front of someone else and worry are they going to judge me what are they thinking are they going to be good are they going to be able to help me and so we uh, launched a video series that you can um, just download a digital download that you can download and it goes through the sessions so we have session one two and a sleep series and we're going to go through what myself and Sandra Reese who's like one of the most phenomenally amazing uh, therapists out there. I would go to her in a heartbeat. She is so good, so accurate, but so real. Like she's not someone that 
you know, is saying that I'm better than you or that I know all the answers or that she's, she's just someone that she's like, I've been through it. I understand. I know. And she has like the biggest heart and the most empathy. She really loves people. And so we've gotten together and we've done this DVD of like, what would be for session one? What do we usually do for session one when someone comes in? And then what would you do for session two? And we give, uh, which, you know, Dave says I shouldn't call homework, but we give work home study for you to take to deal with and then you can do the next session and we kind of go through it like that and so you have a little piece of us to kind of take for home and we go through it like that to be able to reach more people and so we've been able to reach people from uh, Japan, Saudi Arabia, um, you know, all all over the world which is really like wonderful and, and so hopefully this has been able to help people. It's not the cheapest of things it's not as expensive as it would be to see us privately but it's not also not cheap so pricing i know some people are like that's kind of expensive and for other people they're like that's kind of cheap so it depends on where you live in the world about pricing yeah. but we thought it would be fair in comparison to a session seeing us and people have had some really nice feedback from that and, and i think you know as much as it's nice to sit down with someone you know i've gone to someone since i was probably well, actually i was 10 the first time i saw a therapist uh and when my parents got divorced, my mom wanted me to go to make sure, you know, I was okay and everything. Yeah. Uh, but from a standpoint of, uh, you know, looking at things like recently, a book that helped my wife and I, um, you know, we both have anxiety, but that helped us in our relationship even was uh, The Five Love Languages by Dr. Gary Chapman. I don't know if you've ever read yes. it or not. Yes. But a lot of things that we would do and, you know, I would conceive as one thing and she would see as another. We knew all the parts. We just didn't know how to put them together sometimes. Right. Right. So right, once right. once that happened, now we use different languages with each other and even like saying like, oh, I can tell your love tank's a little low. How do you know, is this bothering oh, you? Is nice. that bothering you? You know, opening things up a very little bit. Nice. So yeah. uh, I think something like the videos, even though people might think they're overpriced at first, those little pieces, those little nuggets of information or, or whatever it may be, uh, yeah. sometimes unlock what you already know inside you, just not sure how to put it. Yeah. And, and it's, you can go back to it and you can rewatch it and then kind of absorb different pieces to it. Mm -hmm. And so for a lot of people we use it as like an adjunct. So instead of going in for me to deal if you're not sleeping well, you know, instead of me going through it, you can just get the, the sleep DVD and, and then people can walk through that. And then in session we can say, well, what pieces do you understand? What parts are you, are difficult to you? And, um, speak it into a language that you feel comfortable with if it wasn't already. And so we think that that's also a nice way to go through it. But I love that you knew, like, you were able to actually apply the knowledge in your day-to-day -day life and actually ask your wife and hear her and be able to validate, okay, you know, I see that something's happening. And, and be able, mm -hmm. instead of being defensive, which is usually our first reaction, when someone else feels bad, we're like, well, what did I, why, I didn't do it. <laughs> you know, it wasn't me. That's usually our first reaction. Yeah. Um, but to be able to actually say, I'm, I'm here for you, I get it. Yeah, I have a I problem definitely with... need this. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I have a problem with... Uh, that's my thing, defensiveness, like, in general. Like, everything, like, is attacking me. So I kind of, like, project it outwards. Like, what do you mean? I, I did this, this, and this. Right. What's the matter that I didn't right. do this one thing? Even though it's, like, not the point and everything else. It's just kind of, you know, what I've learned through my parents, you know, watching them growing yeah. up. So you, there's a lot of stuff you learn more than you actually... It's not as much of a problem with you as much as you learn it to be a problem. It does. We learn through... Like, if you had like parents that had great communicative skills and were re had a, a huge amount of emotional intelligence and you know were, were lucky you know then you're lucky to, that you will probably have a lot of those skills yourself but it's the one it's probably one of the most important things 
in, you know, how do we deal with boundaries, consequences, uh, conflict, discussions, all of these things. And we actually are not taught this in school, which is a huge sadness mm -hmm. because it's so essential for us in order because we're going to then bring it on to the next generation without knowing it. It's not really what you say, it's what you do and the manner in which you interact. And I remember myself hearing my, my child getting snippy with um, a waiter at one point. And I hate that. That I find is exceptionally rude. <clears throat> and I thought, and I had to go, where is he getting this? And I'm like, you know what? I can be sarcastic. Like I'm from, like my, my parents are, um, like I'm half Scottish. And so we are just naturally kind of sarcastic and snippy. And I'll say like, you know, they, they don't get, like they asked me to get them the milk. And I'm like, what happened to your legs? Like, yeah. which <laughs> I think is funny, yeah. but it's sarcastic and snippy. And I had to like really honestly take a good reflection. I said, you know what? It's coming from me. <laughs> this one's mine. And so if I really want them to be different, I have to be, in if I want them to be slightly polite, I have to be infinitely polite with them. And so we always have to kind of check back. Are, are we being too reactive? Are we being too loud? If they're doing it. It's coming from us. And it made a huge difference. It made a huge difference. How do we stop our children from screaming in the house? My husband and I stopped. And he's Italian. So, like, you yeah. know, that's how we had to do it. It was hard. That's, like, that's just uh, culturally. They're oh, yeah. passionate people. So uh, we stopped it. And then they, by fall through, actually did as well, mm -hmm. which was kind of cool. So we put a on our wall. We actually had, like, you know, um, no yelling. It was written. We stuck it on a piece of paper for us, not for the kids. Yeah. Just to keep on reminding us day at a time. That's interesting because, like, for me, I had the added layer of, you know, therapy and mental health, that's some white folks' bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what that's what my mom grew up with. Right, and, you know, right. Because, um, you know, and I don't want to get too deep into it and wind up psychoanalyzing myself on the show. Um, <laughs> but, hey, you're here, so yeah. it, happens, it happens. Why not? Um, but my grandmother passed... This is now the 11th year since she passed it. I, oh, my God. It actually, the day passed and I didn't, like, remember it. Um, but it's been 11 years. Huh. And my mom never dealt with her grief over my grandfather's passing because he passed, like, before I was born. Mm. And there was, like, this was the first major loss in my life. Right. And so trying to deal with that grief. And I actually went to grief counseling and eventually had gone to therapy because... I had a lot of, it was a hard road to get to therapy. Yes. And something that I needed. Yes. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, right. But I think especially in, in black communities and minority communities, there's a, there's that added layer of that's not for us. And I don't know if you mm -hmm. get that a lot in Canada, but there's this kind of, you know, we're, we're okay. Or, you know, in some cases, oh, the church will work it out, which, you know, me and the black church, yeah. we, we split up. We had to go our separate ways many, many moons ago. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I, I just think it's interesting when, you know, when Matt, you were talking and, and Georgia, you were talking is that, you know, a lot of people don't think about that added layer of if you go to a therapist and you talk about it, there's still that added layer of shame. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Which is which is so un unfortunate. Um, we really it's it's so strange because we treat the brain and, and this is just it's it's just culturally brought down that, you know, <clears throat> that if something that you're not dealing with right or you're not coping well, that there's something wrong with you, which is strange because we don't do that with any other part of the body, right? So my right, thyroid, right. I, I, my thyroid slowly died out. And so I take medication uh, for my thyroid. 
Now, because my thyroid, though it deals with emotions, it deals with uh, being tired or being peppy, being down, it deals with all kinds of things. If I, if it's too high, you'll be very anxious. If it's too low, you could have what would be seem like depression. Um, but because it's located in my throat, no one will judge me for that. If it had to be located like here, then people would suddenly judge me. And so people treat the brain as a completely different entity than the rest of the body. We even, you know, everyone goes once a year to see a doctor, but people wouldn't go once a year to see a therapist, which is, it's really strange. It's, it is a machine just like anything else. And it's really like just about like if I had a problem with dealing with my children, you know, I should go to see someone. It's like I would want, I wouldn't try to fix my car myself because I have no skill in that if it wasn't working right. And so why mull through it when you could go to someone that might give you better tools? That's it. That is what you're doing. And to be able to have, like, especially with dealing with mourning, which is not my specialty. I don't deal with um, death exceptionally well. I find it very difficult. And um, I remember when I went through the the, the theory of, of dealing with, like, grief and, and mourning and bereavement, like, I just did a lot of crying through that entire section. I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to be a bereavement counselor because it's not my skill. It's not where my strength is. Because if I'm crying inconsolably <laughs> and the person that I'm trying to help is the one that's going to be comforting me, I probably can't help them very much. So I, I think that it is a, a cultural thing that, that certainly, like my parents are from like the Anglo-Saxon kind of way. And also they have that same thing of like, we don't even deal with emotions, right? Like emotions mm -hmm. are for the weak anyways, which is exceptionally unhealthy too. And so uh, my father, I think that even if I was like traumatized from a death, I don't think that my parents would even think to bring me to a counselor because it just wasn't the way also that they culturally went through things. Um, and so I think that, you know, it is something that we need to kind of look at and, and hopefully yeah. we'll slowly by talking about it, people will know that that's, you know, great, you know, whichever path to Rome that gets you better and we can live fuller lives, you know, that's good. Do you think there's some issue because we don't know enough about the brain that we don't know the unknown, so we're ignorant to it, so therefore we can joke or make fun or not think it's helpful, where at least we know scientifically this is what the thyroid does, this is what the appendix does, the gallbladder, this is what a car does and how you fix it, we know that, but there's no, like, set way to fix the brain, per se, or to really map it out and see it 100%. It's, like, so vast and, in, 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 you know, infinite compared to what we know about it right now. Do you think that plays into it at all or no? I think that some people, like, there's a lot of different psychological theories out, and uh, some of them are more effective than others. And so because of that, you know, people hear about these theories and they're like, oh, that you know, this person really, what do they know? It's all kind of... Uh, you know, they're just shooting, you know, a nail in, in the dark and they won't know where it's mm -hmm. going to kind of land. But there's certain theories that we do know, like we really do understand what works for anxiety and what doesn't and what works for dealing with different types of depressions, not all, um, and others. But I think that you touched upon a point that I just want to mention because um, it is one of the few things that we are still able to make fun of. And I see that a lot on social media, people making fun uh, or sending a video of someone that's having a panic attack or clearly has, you know, something that they're dealing with um, that that they might they might have something that's not working out really well um, or they might have schizophrenia or might be overly paranoid and they're, they're, people make these videos and everyone gets to kind of laugh at them. And it's so um, painful for me 
because I see the other side of it. I see people that come in and they are struggling and they are doing the best that they can. And, you know, here they are kind of being the butt of someone's joke just to get some, you know, extra internet points. And so Mm -hmm. I think that it is one of those last vestiges of because we don't understand it, we can, you know, malign it and make fun of people. And I think that we're getting better for that for people that have uh, intellectual issues. We're getting better with that. We're more knowledgeable about that. But still, if someone is irate or has anger problems or has something else, they don't see the sadness of what must be on the other side of things. Yeah. So emotional intelligence, just as important as intellect. Yes. Um, You heard it here, dearest chromatic community, Georgia Dow dropping that truth, those golden nuggets onto you. Um, We should take care of each other. I believe that everybody should be in therapy all the time, but that's just me. Um, so we we're going we, to, uh, say, we're Americans. We can't afford therapy yeah. all the time. I didn't <laughs> say we should all pay for it. We, you know, maybe if I, no, um, <laughs> go, go, go buy George's videos. <laughs> or vote for we Bernie move Sanders, on, one or the other. <laughs> yeah. Bernie, hook me up, buddy. Um, one more time. What is the link for the, for the videos? We'll put that in the show notes. Oh, thank you. It's, um, anxiety-videos.com. Wonderful. Matt, can you add that in there for me? And, yes, uh, I will, sir. We are going to say thank you, Georgia, would, so much. Like and uh, hopefully you'll. When I type. <laughs> say that again? I said I would, but it sounds like a herd of elephants when I type. <laughs> oh, okay, like there, yeah. Plugged in. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that one to Matt. Um, <laughs> we'll make Matt do all the schlepping around here this time. That's fine. To- he is our token white guy. Yeah, isn't <laughs> that- There you go. Isn't that white? Gotta, isn't that what white people do? You're bidding for everybody else, you know. I mean, isn't, I thought that's how it works. Especially, especially white middle class Christian males. I thought that was the ones that got it the worst. So, I wow. Well, well George is our guest, so we can't make her do the labor. No, that's true. of course not. It's true. <laughs> I think, uh, Matt, you did a perfect segue into our first topic. Here. So, uh, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna jump right right into it, and uh, the topic here is Matt Damon gives a master white splainer class to a black woman <laughs> during Project Greenlight. Uh, so, uh, as our token white guy, Matthew, why don't you go ahead and uh, fill us in on what what went down here? So it, it's so disheartening for me because I actually, up until now, love Matt Damon. I'm not going to lie. You know, maybe it's because he's Love like him. the ultimate white guy. Uh, but also it's because <laughs> um, his his mom is a teacher. And when the teacher yes. being attacked and bringing up the unions and so forth, Matt Damon gave some great, great comments on yes. what, the value of teachers and, and, and what they do for the community and also why they should be paid more and so forth. And, and so when it came to this, I was like, oh, dude, come on, man. This is some white. This is like white splaining to the nth power. Let's be honest. He just went from hero to zero I mean, in two this, seconds flat. And and it's not like it's not like this um this woman doesn't know what she's talking about either. It, it, from the standpoint of you know how many movies she's produced and been in and, and and knows the way, and he goes to her and basically the only you know uh, I I don't know if she was the only female, but she's definitely the only African American on on the group there, and telling her no 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 listen. This is diversity. <laughs> you know, diversity doesn't matter behind the scenes. As long as you put someone up on the front, it's okay as long as they're in the film. And she's like trying to obviously go into 
you know, hey, here's all these horrible tropes, stereotypes, whatever you want to say, that have gone on through all the film, and you're doing the same thing once again. And he just wanted no part of it. He just pretty much dismissed her like she wasn't even there. Which yeah. caused into Damon splaining, white splaining, mansplaining, all that stuff. So I think I retweeted quite a few of those and then told my wife, Can you believe Matt Damon? I used to love this guy. I want to go see The Martian on October 3rd, and now I'm having second <laughs> thoughts about it. You know? She's a whiz. Ruined my white dreams. Uh, anyways. Yeah, and I, uh, I even heard later on, and um, the director's name is Effie Brown. And I even heard that there was a different workshop where there was a a, a young white gentleman who was a, an aspiring filmmaker himself. And he even asked, um, because all of the roles in Hollywood uh, or all the jobs in Hollywood are being taken over by, uh, <laughs> you know, minorities, do you have any advice for someone like me to make it in Hollywood? And I think she just she just like was like, really? And then just like started laughing and didn't even answer the question. Yeah, I remember seeing that too. Did you see that? Yeah, and I just thought to myself, like, I just don't understand how people are so dense. Uh, that's, I guess, I, I mean, I guess, you know, I guess I've been out of my white bubble for a little while, maybe. But I wonder, like, how hard some white bubbles are because they're definitely harder to get through than mine. You know, mine got broken pretty easily. Um, but. Some of the others, I'm just not quite sure where in the hell they are and where they're coming from. Like, how do you even ask that question? I mean, and more than likely, that whole room was white. And you had this one person who wasn't white, and you say, man, you're taking all my jobs. Can you tell me how to get one? <laughs> I mean. <laughs> Tanya's going to pop right now. I know. I feel so bad. She's going to, the last two weeks, she's been ready to pop every time. Like, she can't talk because, I mean, one, her, her hero, Kim Davis, turned on her. She couldn't believe it. And then now, Ooh. you know, Matt Damon. <laughs> whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Lancaster, it's going to be me and you. <laughs> I don't care that we have a guest. Uh... No, oh my Jesus. And especially after Viola Davis's win yesterday. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, what's a stupid woman from the from some soap opera that's not even relevant anymore oh that's that's what you were posting about okay um yes what was that what movie what show i used to watch that show by the way my, my yeah. wife watched that general hospital okay general hospital has not been relevant for a long time. oh yeah just take all the chairs um oh it's just like really you you're gonna basically downplay this historic thing because you probably never got an emmy because you're a mediocre ass white actress yeah Oh, by the way, Georgia, feel free to cuss. <laughs> I I don't do that much cussing. I'm a therapist <laughs> in the daytime, and uh, then I have my kids around. So, like, I'm kind of, like, always on, like, code yellow. Like, I'm just kind of used to it. <laughs> so, no, should not... you feel the need? Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> if I feel like throwing down something, I will. <laughs> I, will. Um, I think that it was a really interesting thing to see, um, which... W even more so what he said was the manner in which he said it, that he didn't let her speak mm -hmm. um, and, and fully end. Now, there does seem to be a cut to what she said, and then it's a cut of him saying, so I don't actually know if he, he did interrupt her the first time um, or if they cut it in such a way to make it seem as though he did, which is kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. This is his project, so you want to take a look back, and I'm like, 
there's definitely a cut there. Now, this is his project, so he could have cut this entire element out. And so either, there's kind of two things. One is he just thought he was right, and so he left it in, perhaps, <laughs> right? So if you're, if you're going to be a little bit more cynical, which could be, right? We all do truly believe whatever we believe, we feel that it's right. That's why we believe it. And that's why we will speak up about it. Um, or the other one, which would be if you're going to look very, you know, altruistically at it, was that maybe because it was an important for him to even call himself out that he did, you know, really not see the main point when he was speaking. And when I read his apology, I'm not as sure that he knew what he did was off when he did it, because even when he kind of apologized for it, um, and he said the right things, but it just didn't have this, I don't know, the, he missed, it still seemed a little bit superficial, saying like, I deeply, he said, I believe deeply that there needs to be more diverse filmmakers making movies, I love making movies, uh, broader conversation about diversity in Hollywood, and like, eh, but he didn't really say, you know what, even, like, I messed up, you know what, I didn't really see the forest through the trees, and I can't really understand what it's like to be a person of color because I am not and I can't see how it would be a person of color and being a woman because I am not and so I think that I jumped the gun because I'm trying to do all these good things and sometimes it's hard to see that even I could be blind to these things and we all are everyone can be blind to certain things and once you can admit that to yourself it's painful to say you know what you know maybe even I am am also like to look first in towards yourself it's really easy to say oh how horrible Matt Damon is how horrible he is to do this. But then I have to say, how many times do I pick people that are very similar to me to be my friends or to hang out with me or to do other things that have a very similar, like we're comfortable with people that have the same um, background or the same viewpoints. And so I even myself, I can say, you know what, the people that I pick to surround myself with are very, they might look different and I have a very diverse population of friends, but we are all very, you know, open-minded and proactive and dealing like that and so maybe even myself I can have a much more narrow viewpoint of the world than I could yeah definitely I'm reading the apology right now and it sounds more like I'm sorry you guys were offended <laughs> with my remarks I believe in diversity you know so it was kind of like the the mm. yeah send him and the dude from arrow off in their own little corner what, was what, what, it the, what? was it the guy from Arrow or was it Night Night? Uh, what's the guy it's, from uh, Avengers? It's, really? It's, uh, what does Stephen Amell do? Uh-oh, oh man. destroying another one of your Every, white heroes. My, my white heart is crumbling right now. Okay, <laughs> I don't know what to do. Like I can't watch TV again. I sorry. Oh, uh, okay. Tell me about Stephen Amell, please. So Stephen Amell mm. was talking, and it, it t- actually ties into one of the articles we have, which was talking about Ahmed who was, you know, arrested yes. for being, you know, daring to be brown and do science. <laughs> and uh. he started talking about don't judge a whole state, blah, blah, blah. And I love making Kendall because she was like, you don't even go here. You are you don't, sorry, Georgia. But she was like, you're Canadian. You don't even go here. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. Pulling the Neil Young out on people. You know what I mean? Well, and then he just had some really snarky, snarky-ass tweets about people choose to be offended, and I'm like, hmm. when the Arrow doesn't get renewed, because you've just basically pissed off a lot of people that watch this show, yeah, maybe you'll learn to stop talking. Because apparently celebrities and filtering don't go together. 
No. No, no you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's actually a personality trait. I gotta I gotta find what he said because I'd like to read it. Um Oh, it was just a tweet of basically um, you know, you shouldn't judge a whole state based on a few people and it's like you don't live in Texas. You don't live in I mean, he lives in the US cuz it works. Yeah, but on TV, but it was like maybe you should stop talking. Just just stop talking. Yeah, it's like Michelle Rodriguez saying um superheroes are void. Yeah, minorities stop stealing white superheroes or whatever oh. it was that she said. Um, well, at least we're getting a great panel out of it, right, Tanya? Oh, man. Yes. Yeah, so that... with, that, with that segue, um, and <laughs> sorry, I'm oh. cutting you off, Matt. Your white guy privileges were revoked. That's fine. <laughs> please take it. Sometimes um, I don't know when to shut the white up, you know, so. Um, so I'm actually going to be a geek girl con, and Sylvia Monreal, como se dice nerd, proposed a panel based off that comment of, of hers about stealing white superheroes. So that's actually, oh God, it's in like two and a half weeks. I'm so not ready. <laughs> I, th- I saw the anxiety in you when you thought about it. You're like, wait a second. And you calculated, oh no. <laughs> it's like, I've never been to Seattle. <laughs> you know, and I get travel anxiety. I'm like, oh no. Place. You know, it's flying, travel, a new place. But I get to see friends I haven't seen in a right. while. And finally meet Sylvia face to face. She's awesome. Yeah, she's amazing. Someone else who is amazing, uh, young... 14-year-old science whiz Ahmed. I stand with Ahmed, um, 14-year-old Texas teen who was arrested uh, for bringing a clock to school, a clock that he built at home. Now, the story with uh, this is um, he brought a clock to show his engineering teacher. Engineering teacher said, that's very nice. Um, Leave it in your book bag. Um, So no one asks any questions. Um, I guess he probably understood the climate and the culture of that part of the country. Um, this happened in Texas, by the way. Um, not to make generalizations about an entire state. Um, but... so <laughs> while he was in another class, the clock went off, it started beeping, and the teacher called the principal. They all, whether they believed it was a bomb or not, uh, I'm gonna talk about that in a second. But they called the police. The police came and arrested Ahmed. There's pictures of him on the internet in handcuffs. And um, uh, the reason I say maybe they didn't actually think that it was a bomb threat, um, maybe they actually wanted to just embarrass him or something like that, was because when you really think it's a bomb, you call the bomb squad. You don't keep the bomb in the school. You evacuate the school. You don't bring the kid and the bomb into the principal's office to wait there, right? You don't put the bomb in the squad car with the perpetrator. You know, it's just like all these things are not adding up. And I'd hate to say that they're doing this to humiliate him or whatever it was. But either way, it didn't work out. It worked out very well for Ahmed. Um, Mm -hmm. The very same day, I believe, or maybe it was the next day, he was invited by President Obama to come to the White House. He's, um, Obama said, hey, Ahmed, cool clock. Bring it to the White House so that we can inspire other um, students, bright young students just like you. And then he got, um, um, he got an invitation from NASA, from Facebook, from Twitter, from Google. And um, yeah, he's sitting pretty right now. Uh, I saw a picture of him with Microsoft. Microsoft, of course, dumped a bunch of technology on him and took a nice mm-hmm. photo op picture there. So, and he's transferring schools. So he p- 
pretty much got to, you know, uh, bite his teeth at the old school after they invited him to come back. No, it's all okay, Ahmed, come back. So um, I think that he's pretty set. Um, I'm just worried that this is going to be, it's going to make it hard for other Muslim kids to want to pursue science and other disciplines in uh, technology and, you know, in STEM. Um, because, you know, why am I, as a Muslim, if I'm, if I'm Muslim, why would I study those things and people are just going to call me a terrorist? So I'm really, you know, feel disappointed about that and I want to get you guys input on that. So take it away. Georgia, you want to go first since you are a guest? Sure. Um, I think that, um, you know, on the the school's behalf, like the the like if you don't know anything about science, like the the clock that he made was in like a briefcase and it didn't look like a regular clock because it was like engineered and and the way that it was made. And so I can understand how the school would say we have to make sure that this is safe. You have to think that if this was, you know, a, you know, white child that looks very stereotypically techie, would have this happened? I don't know. Um, but, you know, his dad also stood for diversity. He's been, you know, helping the population to, to be, you know, like his dad's like an amazing man of helping people be open-minded and to, to think twice. And he's, he's already like part of all kinds of really forward-thinking movements. And so I think that it's a horrible thing that happened to him but a wonderful thing about how people have been standing up and saying, like, look, this isn't cool the way that you were treated. Let's look at this differently. And I hope this is like, you know, I really hope that this will make people think twice about painting a brush on people and just jumping to conclusions, which unfortunately it is in our nature to do. Yeah, because... Um, I don't know if any of you saw the photo, but it actually was a pencil case. It wasn't even a full-size briefcase. Um, so for me, the hard part was because I actually, so for those that don't know, my day job is actually as an international educator. So I get to talk to students with Glycomed and, um, you know, we have STEM students. We have people that are there studying engineering and things like that that probably would have been a med, you know, 10, 12 years ago. Um, Tariq Musa was, was tweeting about it and how upset it made it. He's like, that could have been me. Yeah. That could have been any one of, like, for me, it could have been any one of my students or me, because I was that nerdy kid. You know, I didn't go to a magnet school or anything, but, you know, I could have been that kid that took something apart and brought it in, but you now I'm also not Muslim. So I don't think yeah. I would have, ha- at most, it would have just been like, oh, that's nice, pat on the head. But, you know, mm. luckily he's 14 and hopefully it, it will blow over by the time he goes to college. Um, or I'm hoping the opposite, like that he'll, because he's gotten such like props after the fact that hopefully, because the way that we deal with memories of is something good or is something bad, it's the way that we interpret it. So hopefully because, you know, uh, Microsoft has sent him all types of stuff and said, hey, like, you know, if you're interested in dealing with technology, this is all kinds of other things that you can take a look at and let's, they sent them all kinds of packages. So what I'm hoping is, is that this doesn't stifle his dreams, but hopefully it propels him to say, you know, I can help others. I'm hoping. Yeah, I hope so, because um, a lot of people brought up the young, the young black student who, you know, was also arrested for her science project. Hmm. Um, and it's been a while, so I'd actually forgotten about it, but um, N.K. Jemison brought it up on Twitter, and she's like, she didn't get all of these accolades, and, you know, 
invitation to MIT, which later turns out it was just a professor acting on their own. Mm. Um, it wasn't MIT itself in offering him the visit. So, you know, there's still that, that layer of inter... Oh, I don't want to say inter- intra-racial politics that happens. You know, everyone's rallying around him. You know, he's this, you know, sweet kid who, you know, his spirit could have been crushed, but, you know, it's very gratifying to see him say, you know what, I'm going to keep doing what I'm going to do. Yeah, I think yeah it, and I feel like... Go ahead, Matt. I, I Just real quick, I was going to say, I think it depends on the issue, right? So if 9-11 didn't happen, Ahmed may have never happened. And, and because of those ties of Muslim and terrorist, that's why this is a big thing, compared to if there was maybe a terrorist attack where it was, uh, you know, uh, maybe a different person of color, then if they were, you know, then uh, chastised for what they made, if it be a clock or whatnot, it would then obviously uh, be a bigger deal. And that's why I think that you don't hear about these smaller issues where people were expelled or suspended or even jailed, let's say, uh, based on that. But I think that was the main reason Ahmed really came to the forefront when it came to this particular uh, invention. But yeah. Yeah, I wonder if um, all of these... uh offers that he's getting you know it's uh it's it's really nice that he's gonna go i think he's gonna go forward i think he's gonna go do great things and be very inspired to move forward um all of these tech industry uh tech companies reaching out to him i wonder if that's also like a bid of like them trying to show oh we care about diversity and uh it's sad that if that's the case it happen has to happen out of this kind of uh, situation rather than them just actually doing the work to try to hire more diverse workers for their company. Um, but uh, on another note, Matt, Mad Max was a movie. I loved that movie. I love Charlize Theron's performance. And I love Tom Hardy's performance. I also love Tom Hardy's performance during this last interview that he gave. And uh, he's uh, going to be starring in a film where he's going to be playing a bisexual character. And so at this press conference, uh, one of the reporters uh, is asking him a couple questions and then asks him uh, if he himself is actually gay. And in, uh, in, with that cool Tom Hardy stare, he looks at him and he just says, what do you want about? Are you really asking me about my sexuality? I'm not even going to attempt to do a British accent. Yeah, as I was say, it, it sounded much less, uh, yeah. you know, less abrasive American when, when he's that. like, you know, <laughs> it sounded exactly. like, you know, do you want to go for some tea? But I'm not going to tell you that, you know, what my sexuality is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was very, yes, exactly. So he really dug into this guy and, 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 and you know, why, why was his, his, his question at the end. You know, and then the whole room felt silent. So he's kind of outlining and that's it. And he didn't say one way or another he's straight or he's gay. He just said, why? You know, the emphasis, why would you ask a person about their sexuality? That's something that's such a private um, matter. But for some reason, it's okay to ask, you know, gay people what their sexuality is. Or it's okay to ask a transgender person about their genitalia when you would never, ever ask that of someone else on on you know on the street so javier um don't even go there matt oh okay okay <laughs> no, no but but if, look seriously tom hardy's a ripped dude i would never ask tom hardy 
about his sexuality. <laughs> you know, I would never guess it or, or you know, try to try to figure it out. But but let's be honest, the, the thing about Tom Hardy making this comment, and if other people make comments like Tom Hardy, right, there's this big, I don't know, uh, love to know about someone's sexuality, especially because people think, like, gay is bad or wrong or hidden, you know, and so forth. It's been kind of stashed away a little bit, so it's kind of like that... Um, that thing you want to know about, oh, what is it really? So if we can have people say, listen, sexuality doesn't matter. What does it matter to you? I think that really it'll hopefully take from it, you know, being this bad thing and something that doesn't really matter to who a person is. And I think that's what Tom Hardy's kind of trying to do with that. I just don't know that other people will follow suit like he did and say, it doesn't matter. I am who I am. Next question. It has nothing to do with this topic. Yeah, I, I have many thoughts, but I will I will let Georgia go first because you may have to cut me off. <laughs> um, I, I think it's shocking that we feel like we have a right to know these things. I, I think it's it's so rude of us just because someone's in the public eye that now we get to dig through every little bit about their lives. And so I love the fact that he stood his ground and actually called him out on it because the guy didn't really ex- even go out and he didn't even really specifically say, you know, well, you know, what is your sexuality? He kind of hem and hawed and went around it in hopes of getting, you know, some information that is vastly private. And people, even if you are in the public eye, it doesn't mean that people have access to everything that you do. And if it's something that you would not ask at a dinner table, then you probably should not be asking it at an interview either. And so I think that it's wonderful that he actually said, you know what, these are my boundaries and it was rude of you to then keep on pressing me upon this and not know that you should have backed off in the first place. I think that it's it's wonderful if people choose because they want to share it so that it, it normalizes things. But I think that that is their, their private business. If they want to talk about, you know, mental illness, if they want to talk about medications, if they want to talk about hardships that they've been through, that's wonderful. But I think that it's, you have to be respectful. And even when I'm in therapy, and I'm a therapist, so I do actually go digging around into people's, you know, past to find out what is a trigger, what is a wound. But if someone does, and I say at the first session, if you don't want to tell me, if you don't feel comfortable, if you just want to lie because you don't feel comfortable saying you don't feel comfortable, I don't mind. This is your right. I don't feel that I have rights to kind of rummage around in your life. And so I would, you know, I think that everyone should know that they also have a right to be able to say I don't feel comfortable talking about that, and that's okay. Just because someone asks you does not mean that you have to answer. Just because someone has an expectation of you does not mean that you have an obligation to fill that. But if you don't want to answer, you must be hiding something, and we deserve to know everything. Exactly. (laughs) Oh, my God. The cult of personality in terms of celebrities. That could be, like, a whole, like, special episode um, yeah, we'll have to have you back, George, for that episode. <laughs> for sure. We'll invite Steve back so he can defend himself as well. <laughs> it can be an all-star, uh, it can be a Mario versus Mario showdown. Mario uh, Mario all-star showdown. Uh. Oh, God. I, I take no responsibility for what happens when we stop taping this podcast. <laughs> we all throw down about this pronunciation. Um, but, but my two cents about the whole Tom Hardy thing is that you know, he's been very open about the fact that, like, yeah, I'm an actor. I've, I've messed around with dudes, but it, it's almost like he's like, you know, it's there, something I did when I was younger. I have no shame in it. Because, I mean, he still shows his MySpace photos. He has no shame. Um, Neither should he. 
Well, no, but... I wish know, I had no shame. <laughs> you yeah. have no shame, okay? Well, maybe when I talk, but I'm not... <laughs> I'm talking... I, I wish I had that much no shame. Anyways, okay. go ahead, Tanya. Okay, Matt Damon. <laughs> um, Matt Damon. <laughs> Don't Matt Damon me. Matt Don't Damon. Matt Damon me. <laughs> <laughs> Newberg. She said it. No, she said no. it. What you, what she you really it. mean, what you really mean, Tanya, the pass is this. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. I really had a thought and couldn't get to that thought. Um, but it was for me, it was really relevant because I and I correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was asked specifically if he was bisexual because he plays twin gangsters that are based off real gangsters in UK history. Um, and they both were bisexual. Like one of the character, one of the brothers was a lot more open about it. One got married. And, you know, I appreciate him while while he's open about what he's done in his past this invasion of privacy of celebrities or people even that are just well known um it it's creeped it creeps me out because there has to be a line somewhere mm-hmm. and it had no relevance to the event he's talking about this is a movie i've done and why why is this relevant if you want to talk about the process of how did i get in this headspace because i played not one but two people and one character is very you know very open that could be relevant to the discussion Versus, basically, are you fucking other dudes? <laughs> <laughs> I have no filter, Georgia. I'm sorry. I love it. I That's absolutely great. love it. That's great. <laughs> but speaking of people and having no filter, um, so Nailed today I had, a, I had a bit of a moment on Medium.com because I don't know if you've seen this, Georgia, or, or specifically Javier, where if you are known or known... <laughs> in my case, as a, as a person of color who sometimes has opinions on things, you get kind of two branches of, of white folks, as, and this is mostly for Twitter, where it's either suddenly they realize their privilege and they, they have to go out and be the best, like, non-racist <laughs> white person ever. And, you know, they put Black Lives Matter in their Twitter profile and they, they like, at every brown black person they've ever met on twitter and they're angry about everything like oh my god did you see this thing that bernie sanders did and i'm just like what the fuck are you talking about dude i have things to do like i have a grocery list to make i want to go home and have a drink but you know like there's that kind of extreme almost like when someone is newly converted to a religion and it's like Mm -hmm. zero to a hundred and then you have people that are kind of slowly making their way they're realizing hey privilege is a real thing I'm, I'm going to learn about these things. And when someone is telling me of their experience, I'm going to actually listen. You know, like you, Matt, and our, our friend Tim, um, Thane1982 on Twitter. Mm-hmm. You know, I, it's very interesting seeing these conversations because there's kind of this, this chasm in between. And then everyone else is detritus that kind of falls in where it's like you can't have an opinion without some random person coming with their hot take about why you're wrong. <laughs> So it was just some, it was, a, it was a thing I had, you know, and since we are kind of a, a podcast divided at this moment, like to women, <laughs> to people of color, <laughs> to white folks, I want to, cause I like that we can have these discussions. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And so, and I, so run with it. I was going to say, I didn't read, I didn't read uh, what you had until uh, recently today, earlier, whenever you post in the show notes. And uh, I think the way you had said about finding religion, that is the perfect way to put it. When someone finds God or whatever it may be, that's why I use, we'll say, you know, some type of Christian conversion. 
that's what happens, man. You were like, I love Jesus. Here's my Bible. You, you know, you're marking everything. You're like, man, Philippians 4.13 today, baby. Oh, John 3.16. Oh, you know, and they're like, no, you don't understand, man. You don't love Jesus. You're wrong. You need to love some Jesus. I'm telling you right now. And, <laughs> and, wow. Listen. Oh. I Listen, something. What I've, I've, I've been there. I've been there. I've been that Jesus lover, and I still love Jesus. But I mean, I, I understand that way of, of thinking, and and you know, um, I would say I was probably more like uh, this white guy ten years ago that you're talking about now, maybe, uh, and and so forth, where you know you kind of break out of that. Once again, my white bubbles burst, and I'm like, oh my god, like there's other people than white people around that that really do get treated poorly. Wow. I didn't know that, and um, you, you see it more and more, and 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 I think that you just you yourself. I don't want to use the term desensitized to to a way, but having all that energy focused just on that uh, wears you down a little bit. Actually, you need to be a little bit more diverse in in your thoughts and how you how you do things in life. But I think for me, one of the things I do, and I'll use it in my um, Christian viewpoint. Uh, you know, Saint Francis says. Um, uh, preach the gospel daily, use words when necessary. So I like to live things out wow. by action more than actual words because words, they fill the air and you're heard. But I go to church every week and I see a lot of people who by the time church is over, they're flipping you off, honking the horn at you whenever they want to leave the parking lot. <laughs> it's probably just kind of Catholic. But, <laughs> you know... Uh, uh, Look, but, but, Catholic services in out get home back football. I was raised Catholic. I know. Exactly, exactly. You got to be out at twelve thirty. Sorry, I need my beer. I need to watch some football. But, but no, I, I think I think that happens a lot, and, and people need to kind of just like, it's great to be excited. But like you said, also when you approach someone who is on the other side and you're trying to be excited for them or help them, sometimes it's a little off putting because, listen, you don't even know. I'm excited that you're excited, but let's step back a little bit. You step back a little bit. And really just listen, watch, learn, and then grow. That's how it should be. I think that when people, like, you know, uh, finally find something that for them was, like, life-changing, when they have their epiphany, and it could be, you know, you finally found a way to lose weight. It uh, could be, uh, you know, I, I found a way out of my depression. It could be, you know, I, I found the religion that has changed my life. It could be that I've realized that I was completely wrong about the way that I treat minorities. Like anything that's really life-changing, because it was life-changing to you, you want to kind of spread that joy to everyone else. But it can become too much because they may not want to hear it all the time. And some people can, like, become fanaticized because of that so that it's more than just you know a way of life it becomes you know like a political dream it can be like the be all and end all and it can be too much because now you're running without looking at where you're going and it's so rare that things are that black and white if i may use that term just because it seems to fit so perfectly exactly <laughs> right now there there is so much more gray in the world and so it was like when i first started martial arts I like was like when I first got my yellow belt, I thought I was the baddest thing on the planet. I was like, you know, I'll walk down any alley and I'm going to kick their butt and that's the end of them. And I just thought I was the greatest thing um, and nothing could touch me. And now that I've done martial arts for a really long time, I'm like, oof, I'm going to be careful around that dark alley because it's, you know, any it's, it's any puncher's chance. You never know. 
Mm-hmm. And and so I'm much more cognizant of that. But I think that I was like that. And I'm like, ooh, the first time I did jujitsu, I'm like, jujitsu is everything. Jujitsu is the best. It's the best style. It's like you can kind of be so excited with something that that's the only like, you know, you become very narrow focused. And rarely in the world is it smart to be exceptionally narrow focused because you miss all of the goods that happen in the horizon. I think you should fight Ronda Rousey. <laughs> oh, she is. She is an absolute beast. She would take me out wholeheartedly. Uh, she is, my hat's off to her, she is a true professional uh, at her game. And, uh, I, you know, I would, I would, you know, to, to be funny, I'd be like, yeah, I would love to just to say that I was beaten up by Ronda Rousey. Because <laughs> that would be so, so awesome. So wait, Georgia, so you can beat Mechagodzilla, <laughs> but not Ronda Rousey. You know what? I would put it exactly in that order. <laughs> Mechagodzilla to toast. <laughs> well, I had to laugh because I think your husband and me and sixty-two other isometric listeners picked Mechagodzilla. You, Tanya, you didn't. You didn't. You yelled at me on Twitter. You ah, uh, you see, I thought you were just joking, though. I didn't think you were serious. Now I know it's the truth. I thought you were just trying to get a rise out of me. That's it. I would have no. said. I would have. She's like, I'm coming down to Chicago, I'm and I'm going to meet. I'm out of this podcast out. now. I'm out. <laughs> Georgia, no, Georgia. You can yell at me later. You can tell me that. I wish I was cool. I wish we were taping that because that has to be the meanest Georgia Dow's ever looked in in what I've known her entire life of of existence in the year and a half that I've been around. Did you you first saw the shock of disbelief of oh my goodness that was true. Yeah, but even your disposition, the way you're holding yourself now, is totally different. Totally different. Now I'm like from last hour. (laughs) <laughs> you, you're you're a jujitsu champion. I'm just glad I'm on the other side of this. I no like, more, <laughs> Mister Nice Georgia. Playtime like, is over. Yeah, I took a year of a. Uh, oh God, it wasn't even kendo. It was um, judo. That doesn't match. Cool, cool. That's awesome, though. It's a great style. Really hard. I always get beaten actually by uh, people that do my both both. Not all my losses, but two of my greatest losses were because of two uh, Olympic judo women. They were wow. uh, always get arm barred. <laughs> yeah, I, I had to unfortunately give it up because I've got bad knees. Oh, then judo not not a good style for you now. Yeah, I, I need to sadly get in better. At least my knees need to be in better shape before I try it again. Yeah. Um, but unless Javier had something to say, I actually had another thought since... Um, you are with us, and you are a therapist. Because I, I mentioned emotional labor in the in the post, but I want to make sure Javier got to say. Oh, go for it, Tanya. Um, well, because it was interesting because um, Jessica Price had made a had made a post about um, emotional labor and how she wasn't here to coddle people, and I think you know when people ask marginalized folks to do the hard work. And to basically hold their hand or be nice to them, um, that's emotional labor that has a very high cost when it happens over and over and over. Um, because, you know, it, it gets to be really difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's an interesting thing that um, many people that I see are caretakers. They are mm-hmm. people that are going to um, over like give to, to other people. And so it's, it's a huge deal. Um, it's more prevalent among women, for sure. 
it's something that we we really need to be cognizant of of like and and people that are caretakers it feels good right like it feels good to help other people and i'm a therapist so i'm i'm in a field where there's a lot of caretakers and how do you know who's the strongest caretaker in your group cough and see the first person that gives you like a little lozenger or drop something and see who's going to be the person that's going to help you pick it up and so it's um it's it's something that's really um, costing to you because you're constantly giving and you're going to be usually get, be the person that's giving more than you're ever going to return from you. And so a lot of people that deal with burnout are those that are type A caretakers. And, and so it's like always you're running on empty. You, you feel like, and it, you know, you feel like if, like you feel bad saying no to someone. You mm -hmm. feel like, you know, if someone needs something, then you should be the one to do it because you can. And so whenever I, I go through therapy and I hear someone, I'm asking them a question and they talk about someone else that's in need instead of giving themselves, like even in this space, they're still spending their, their time hoping to save or help someone else. And that's really important to remember that you're important. And my uh, friend Sandra, who does I do the videos with, she always says that even in an airplane, when the air masks come down, it says, first put the mask over you and then put it over your children. And these are your sires, the people that you're supposed to take care of. But if you fall down, then oh. who's going to care for everyone else? Yeah, that's true. It's, it's hard because, um, I mean, for me, I get the burnout, especially when I get people. And it's like, I know they mean well. Yes. I know there's not malice behind it. But at a certain point, I have to go, there's Google. Yes. <laughs> there's there's other resources. Like, I, I keep a link to Peggy McClintock's Invisible Knapsack. Handy. Um, and, like, just, just yes, over the weekend, not yesterday. Um, I, I'm friends with Monver Air over at BioWare, and he, he was talking about that couple that keeps going places and having wedding ceremonies in their traditional garb of whatever country they're in. And I retweeted it, and someone decided that they had to whitesplain the two brown people that didn't like that. And, you know, like, it's it's that moment of, okay, I've given you one answer. Here's your chance. Here's your one chance. And, you know, Monver was, was nice, up to a point. And, you know, when I was just like, okay, you, you've hit my limit, and I've got a pretty high tolerance for this. Um, um, Can you? There's Matthew's son there. Matthew's son wants to to take over the explanation. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna get it. I'm gonna get it. Yeah, I'm gonna get it cut off. Uh, probably cut that out. But he wants to play Skylanders. He told me. <laughs> He's got good taste. He um, does. Go ahead, Tanya. Oh, that's okay. Um, but you know, it's it's you just have that moment of because like my moment was he was like, well, why don't you like adopt a white person? And actually hashtag adopt whitey. And I was like, okay. Why? You you just told two people of color that I'm done. I'm done talking to you. Um, and, you know, it's like, oh, I, I wasn't being serious. I know you take this serious. And it's like, you know, Monger blocked him. And I was like, you know what? I'm going out to the pub. I'm going to go do a very unblack thing and go watch soccer <laughs> and get drunk for the day. <laughs> Uh, but you know, it's like when you have that moment of, you know, this is emotional labor that was taken from me without my consent. Mm -hmm. And at some point, it's just like, 
you know what? It's easy. You can wash this off or not wash this off. Write this off as I was joking. Ha ha. Cause I'm a white dude. It's not funny. It, you know, it's, it's a lot of emotional labor. It's a lot of energy that's being sucked away. And I think people don't realize that just like when we were talking earlier about people not realizing online is real life. There is no distinction, mm-hmm. you know, and, and doing the whole, Oh, I was joking. You know, I didn't mean it that way. That's not, that's no longer acceptable. It never was, yeah. but I think you really can't take that route anymore. You know? Yeah. I think that's definitely a cop out. Oh, yeah. very much a cop out. Yeah. If and- you're good at something, Tanya, don't do it for free. Yeah. Oh no. I, I told the last person who wanted me to write for free. I laughed at them. Yeah. And so. and don't feel guilty about ignoring or saying no. You know, that's like, unfortunately, in our culture, there's going to be people that uh, lean higher of wanting to be caring, thoughtful people. And they're often taken advantage of by people that um, are are more lazy or that are, have greater expectations or think that the world owes them, you know, you should do this because I've asked of you. And, and so I, I always teach people that the first thing that you should say when you're not sure if you're feeling already overloaded is, you know, wait and don't say anything or say, I'll have to think about that. Or later I give people the work of saying no, just say, you know, no, or, or don't deal with it on Twitter. I would just say, don't even feel bad if you cannot always answer things if you have to leave don't twitter is supposed to be a tool to help you and when it's starting to deplete you that's when you have to say okay i have to make better boundaries around it because there will be people that will constantly think that you know they can use that and they're they're warranted to which is sad because i don't think that they know the emotional cost that it happens to other people they just don't see it there's people that truly will never no matter how many times and in how many colors and flavors that you could explain to someone, what is the cost to someone else? They will not understand that. They only see it from themselves. Yeah, definitely get true. One, one black friend card use out of me. Right. Right. <laughs> Everybody gets one. One. You know, if I'm feeling generous, you may get one and a half. <laughs> I've gotten one and a half, I think, along the way. You got one and a half in this episode. well we'll close out this conversation by uh me sharing a quote from my favorite drag queen rupaul at the end of every episode of rupaul's drag race she says if you can't love yourself how the hell are you gonna love anybody else can i get an amen 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 so dearest chromatic community uh family members listeners thank you uh so much for listening to the show for being a part of the show and remember always to take care of yourselves um before we say goodbye let's quickly talk about what we are playing or what we've been watching georgia as our illustrious guest could you go first so i i'm still playing candy crush soda (laughs) um and i I know i know and i'm also playing ascension falls which is so much fun because i can play it with my kids uh, and they're getting better than me at it, which is so sad. <laughs> but they Uh-oh. are. Yeah. I know. I know. <laughs> Not looking forward to that one day. <laughs> it's horrible. Awesome. All right. Uh, Matthew, why don't you go into what you've been playing? So, yeah. So, it doesn't change very much, right? It's it's Madden 16 right now until NBA 2K16 hey. comes out on uh, Friday. Okay, tell them something. Elizabeth Eddie? 
he's talking about Nickelodeon Jr. Something Wally Kazam. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that, but anyways, I'm playing Madden 16, and it's been pretty good to me. I've played pretty much in every different area so far. Um, franchise mode, draft champions. It's the first time I've bought a Madden game since 08, so I've been glued to it. Um, I say I don't have enough time to play Dragon Age and those types of games, but in two weeks I've put 40 hours into Madden 16. Um, so yeah, and then Hearthstone, of course, gets my time as well whenever I'm either at home or taking a bathroom break at work, let's be honest, right? We all have a game we play, like Candy Crush, um, and that time period, so mine's Hearthstone. So, that's what I've been doing, other than the kids, which they have me play Minecraft with them, Skylanders, and Rayman. It's like an ever-evolving door that just keeps revolving round and round. We play those games all the time, so that's my dessert for this week. There you go. Sounds like fun. Tanya? Um, I have been playing Metal Gear Solid Five. I've tried that mission to get the skilled prisoner so I can have Femsnake. I tried for four hours on Saturday. I gave up. Wow, that's dedicated, though. Because now I'm just hard-headed. Because I actually... <laughs> well, I actually extracted her, and then I got killed, so it didn't count. <sighs> I know. The that was so close. You, you should do it again. You're so close. Yeah, so I got frustrated and went back to try to do the, the main storyline mission I have, but it's the hardest mission I have ever played. It's the one with the bee, honeybee um, weapon system. Hmm. And you come across someone who can know about it and you have to get them out. And it's just like, I, I there was a lot of cussing. So, Georgia, if you listen to it, please have headphones on. Because there was a lot of cussing. I think I even used an expletive in the title. I just started out. Um, <laughs> you weren't even going to hold back. You're like, this is just the truth of it. <laughs> well, it was yeah. just like I tried it and it was frustrating because I was so close and then to get shot down. That's, and I even got the achievement. No, that's the worst part is when it's like, you know, you had it and then something happens like you sneeze or something and, you know, <laughs> the doorbell rings and you yeah. look the other way for like a heart and that's it. Yeah, so I may try that again because I'll probably, I don't know if I'll do that part again on streaming because I don't know if that was throwing me off because I was, now I was just getting frustrated. Um, yeah. And of course, Dragon Age because the, the epilogue DLC Trespasser is out and I have one other character I can run right now and he's kind of my goody two shoes, put a lot of meta into him. Um, so I just started playing Trespasser with, with Max Trevelyan this, this weekend, so. And that, uh, for those many reasons that you stated, Tanya, you will not catch me near a stealth game <laughs> unless it's unless it's faux stealth, like in uh, Middle Earth: Shadow of Mordor. Shadow of Mordor. Or, oh, yeah, my heart. What a great game. game! I went back when I learned that you can play as Lotharial, and I played a whole bunch after. Which, so, so wish I could have had that character from the beginning of the game. Oh yes, yes. It's it's a. I love that game. I love that game. So Tanya, have you played it? I have not. It's one of those things where I'm like, I want to get it, I want to get it, but then I'm worried it'll be a huge time sink. It will be a huge time sink. Took a week off. If you not like, as much if you of like a time Metal sink Gear, as Dragon Age. Yeah, it won't be like Dragon Age, and if you like Metal Gear, you'll you'll like it. It's it's just very similar, okay. but it's an easier, like the 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 different ways of playing it are, are a little bit easier. Okay, so, um, yeah, you, you'd probably love it too because the stealth works really fabulously. It's so much fun. 
I love it. Okay, I'll play it, and then maybe if you're on PS4, we can talk about it. I, I'm on, uh, I, I play it on PC, but we can still talk about it. Yay. Awesome. Um, we are really on a, on a, on a longer side of the episode here. I don't think <laughs> we've had an episode this long. <laughs> oh, no, um, fine. Do not apologize. <laughs> No, we accommodate for you. See, that's the anchor. That's the oh, anchor part of me. I just keep on going and it, going. <laughs> it's totally that's great. Fine. We, 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 you know, awesome we get we get deep into it. Oh yeah, so awesome conversation. Um, so really quick, what I've been playing, of course, I've been playing Destiny with a new Taken King expansion. I've already beaten the games with two different characters. Wow. So. You know, I'm trying to goad uh, Matt into getting the game so I can uh, help him level up and and try to run the raid. Um, I've also gotten into that Star Wars Uprising uh, iOS RPG, very Diablo-esque with, you know, it's very loot driven and there's a lot of story elements and it seems really cool. I'm not that far into it, but um, I definitely will keep playing it and let you guys know how that goes. And then finally, um, I've been playing Tomb Raider Definitive Edition on Xbox One. Um, I played it on 360 and it's it's so great. I'm going to probably play through the whole thing again in preparation for uh, the rise of the Tomb Raider coming out this fall, which I'm so excited about. You and, know a uh, game is good when Georgia, you want to play it again. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, it's very interesting because I know from the trailers, there's one scene where uh, Lara Croft is in, uh, she's being psychoanalyzed, right? She's uh, seeing a therapist. So, wow, a game that is actually dealing with the emotional fallout of a survival situation. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah, which I think is lovely. I think that we, we should know that there's a cost to doing things that, that are kind of against our limbic system, so... Absolutely. With that, we are at the end of our show. Dearest Chromatic community, thank you so much for being a part of this episode with us. Uh, Georgia, you've been such an amazing guest, and that's why we're running an hour and a half into the podcast. We're still talking. Uh, You've been amazing. Why don't you share all of your social media business and everything that you are doing, all the millions of things you're doing, so that our community can uh, follow you and interact with you? Um, so I'm on uh, imore.com. I do a podcast called Vector, another one called imore, uh, another one called Isometric, and I'm on Twitter at Georgia underscore Dow. And if you're looking for at-home therapy for anxiety, it is anxiety-videos.com. Thank you so much, Georgia. Like I've said before, you've been wonderful, and you are invited anytime you would like to come back and sit on another episode of Chromatic Life. Thank you. You're very welcome. All right. So you can find the show on Twitter at Chromatic Life. And you can go to um, chromaticlifefm at geeked.fm and send us questions and feedback. Please subscribe to us on iTunes and give us a review and or a star rating. And most importantly, please share the show with your friends, especially this episode, wonderful episode we had for you today. Um, our host can be found uh, on Twitter. You find Tanya at Cypher of Tear. You can find Matthew at Lengselot81. And you can find myself at Javier Payano on Twitter. Thank you so much. That has been episode seven, and we will see you in a couple of weeks. Until then, ta-ta. Bye. Bye.